thanks for listening and supporting this podcast. I'm Camille Diaz, and if you are sick and tired of setting goals and not achieving them, jump on over to my website, go.optimized.zone. Enroll in my online course, Driven, and gain access to the exact formula I've used to accomplish my goals, like write a book, increase revenue, lose 30 pounds, and record over 100 episodes of this podcast. Start experiencing the joy and satisfaction that comes with achieving your goals. That's go.optimized.zone. Welcome. This is Money Heart, where we explore the emotional side of money. I'm Camille Diaz, and today we're discussing rising from the ashes. My guest is Tabitha L. Taylor. She's the founder of Phoenix Masterminds. She focuses on helping women rise above the ashes of adversity. Tabitha, welcome to Money Heart. Well, thanks for having me, Camille. Yeah, so glad you're here. And I think this is a really great topic for us because grief and you know all the negative things that happen in our life totally play into how we spend our money and our ability to earn more money because it's all part of our mindset and when you're in that situation you might overspend trying to compensate you might not take on as many clients as you normally would because you're in such a frustrated and 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 upset place yourself that nobody wants to work with you like it can just totally mess you up so talk a little bit about this i want to hear your experience and and kind of explain what grief is because I think sometimes we think maybe our grief doesn't count like it's not enough yeah and a lot of times what I have found Camille is people don't understand that grief can be associated with anything and so people misinterpret what they're feeling when it really is grief um like for example some people when they lose their job don't realize that they go through a grief process Um, it can be associated with anything, not just the passing of someone from this life. And so it's really important that we, you know, look into that and make sure what is it we are feeling and be able to associate that. And I'm so glad you brought up about the spending part, because I can tell you from experience, I used to watch my mother spend money when she didn't feel good or when something had happened to her. So instead of facing that grief that she was feeling in her life, whether it be a breakup from a boyfriend or a break, you know, loss of a job, loss of a loved one, she would go and buy things to make herself feel better instead of actually facing the emotion and working through the steps to overcome it, to be able to go on and move forward. Right, right. Yeah. So you have experienced quite a few of these and definitely some big ones. Share first off about your son. Yes, I have had many adversities in my life. Um, my A lot of people don't know, but I'll just start in the beginning. I actually grew up, um, my mother was a single mom. She had a few mar- marriages. Um, but later on in life, when I became adult is when we found out she had actually been a prescription drug addict for many, many years. Wow. None of us knew that. And that 
answered a lot of questions <laughs> and, yes. you know, gave a lot of insight to some things that went on. Um, but yes, I, I got married in 1992, very early on in life. Um, and we had two sons. We had a, my oldest son's now 26, but my second son that I had actually passed away at 14 months old. Wow. Um, he contracted, and I'm going to try to pronounce it. I butcher it every time. Um, meningococcal meningitis. Mm-hmm. Um, it was very quick within 24 hours. He passed away. Oh. And that was my first major adversity that I had to deal with in life. And it took many years, but over time I was able to go on to live a very happy life. Um, after my son passed about three years after he passed away, I was pregnant with my now 18 year old daughter. And unfortunately my marriage ended in divorce. There are very high statistics. I don't know what they are now today based on 2021, but back then about 85% of marriages due to the death of a child end in divorce. Men and women grieve very differently. They handle the emotion of grief in a totally completely opposite, sometimes 180 degree way. Um, And that just could, we just could not overcome that um, in our marriage. So here I was with a six-year-old son, (laughs) maybe eight, he was eight, Eight eight-year-old son and three months pregnant and was single. I didn't know what I was going to do. I was a stay-at-home mom. I had to make a decision quickly what, what to do in that scenario. And I ended up getting a straight commission job during the day, doing a direct sales company on the evenings and weekends to make income, to take care of myself, um, my soon-to-be daughter, and my, my eight-year-old son. So that was another adversity I was dealing with at that time and had to pull up my big girl pants, my bootstraps, and really hit the ground running and realize, you know what, I have to do this. The challenge I got to is I was just surviving at that point. I was doing whatever I had to do to survive right. and take care of my children. I was not enjoying life. I was just going through the daily motions, you know, the daily steps that, that had to be done. Had you even like fully dealt with all of those things? Had you even processed through through everything that happened? No, no, it was just strictly I here. I got to do what I got to do. You know, it, you, I was in the moment and just had had to do what I had to do. So I had my daughter, um, didn't, I went back to work at four weeks when she was four weeks old. Um, I became a realtor during the time I was pregnant with her, got my real estate license. And I knew that would give me the flexibility to, to be able to be home Mm -hmm. and take care of my kiddos and do what I needed to do. So when she was four weeks old, I went back to work and did what I had to do again, still in that survival mode, still just going through the daily paces. Um, In my college days, I started having anxiety and panic attacks. I didn't know what they were. I didn't know how to deal with them. And they started to come back up at that point in time in my life. Um, I was under extreme stress. I was trying to do as much as I possibly could on my own. And, you know, unfortunately, my mom and stepdad at that point in time, my stepdad was very different demeanor, different mindset. And I got very little help from them. It was, you know, 
your ex-husband should be helping. He should be doing these things. These are his children. And I'm like, you don't understand. I need support. I need help. I needed help emotionally, mentally, spiritually, all of the above. And I just wasn't getting it. I wasn't getting it from where I needed. So I personally had to take circumstances into my own hands. I had to figure out how to overcome these adversities I was dealing with and be there for my kids and be the best version of myself, be the best mom that I could possibly be. And that's when I made the decision, you know what? I want to live. I don't want to survive anymore. I want to be happy. I want to have goals. I want to have dreams. I want to get to a point in my life where I can be this absolute best person I can possibly be for everyone around me. And I started working on myself. I think that's awesome. And I love the point that you made of you wanted to show up for your kids. Yes. You you clearly went through a situation of growing up with a parent who was not able to fully show up for you, even though you didn't know why that was happening, that was happening. So it was important to you to make sure you were actually there talking to them, helping them, engaging in their lives. And so you, I love that that was, that was your kind of motivating force. It's like, okay, I'm going to figure this out. Yeah. And it, it's a choice. You literally have to make a choice and say, you know what? I'm taking control. I am taking responsibility for my life. Um, And so much time I spent living in that victim mentality. I, there's always something you gain from staying in that position. And at one point in time, I had to figure out what, what is it that I'm gaining by staying the victim? Um, People felt sorry for me. I could complain, you know, I could just move on through life and not ever have to take responsibility for the way I treated others, the way that I acted, any of that. Well, it gives you a great excuse for pretty much everything that you feel like doing. Yes. Well, I don't want to go to work today. Okay. I'm not because this, you know, you just, you can just use it. So there's definitely a lot of benefit to staying in that grief spot in the victim spot in the, the life is happening to me, not with me, not for me. I'm not part of it. I'm not creating my own path. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And I, when I made that decision, um, I went to a psychologist. I specifically asked for a man because I wanted to understand from a man's perspective, what happened in my marriage. I wanted Mm -hmm. to know what to do at that point. And we tried medications for my anxiety and panic attacks. And those only made it worse. Oh no. Yeah. And what I found was I have an extremely sensitive system. And so my body was saying, this is not the right path. It was physically showing me by my reactions to these medications, you are not going to deal with the root cause of these problems. If you're medicating yourself, you know, and then later on, when I learned that my mother had been a prescription drug addict, I understood the process. I understood what she was doing. She was numbing herself so that she did not have to face it. She didn't want to face what she was feeling and deal with those emotions. And I realized medication is not going to work for me. 
So I bought in this shows you how long ago it was a cassette tape series. (laughs) Yeah. Of how to overcome panic and anxiety um, from a coach would listen to it every morning. And I started putting myself in positions that made me uncomfortable Hmm. because I had to become comfortable with being uncomfortable so that when I felt the anxiety or the panic attack starting to come on, I could work through it with the steps that I was learning in this process. Right. And it worked and I just kept pushing through it. And there were days, you know, one of my biggest triggers was going out to eat in a restaurant because the first really? panic attack, yeah. First panic attack I ever had was in a restaurant. Wow. And, I think that was that, a really great point that you made of being uncomfortable. Yes. All of this stuff is uncomfortable. Makes you uncomfortable. You know, you're feeling the grief, you're feeling the weirdness, you're feeling the space that's open that someone used to be in. You're feeling all of these things. You're like, I don't like this feeling. So what a fabulous insight of get comfortable with being uncomfortable. And then when that stuff bubbles up, it's not such a big deal anymore. Cause you're like, oh yeah, we're just uncomfortable again. It's cool. So tell yeah. us about the restaurant. How did that, how'd that happen? Well, um, I just, my boyfriend had taken me to meet his family, his parents and got there and it was his, all of his extended family. They had multiple tables set up, which I was not prepared for. And I, in my mind, my, I had very low self-esteem low self-confidence at that time. So again, we attach that to self-worth and I didn't feel worthy enough. Oh, I can't believe this guy likes me. I can't believe this guy is look, you know, wanting to date me and taking me to meet his family. And I thought, what if I don't meet his expectations? What if I don't meet their expectations? And I didn't know what was happening to me because I'd never had a panic attack before. My throat started to constrict quickly. My heart was racing. I thought, oh, I'm sick. Something's wrong. And I kept getting up, calling my grandmother because I didn't know what was happening. And when we left the restaurant, unfortunately, it made it worse because he was not compassionate. So instead of saying what was happening, why were you doing this? It was you embarrassed me horribly bad in front of my family. (laughs) Right. And that just made it worse because now I was in embarrassment. And these are all things. These are labels throughout our history that attached to us and that label attached to me for years and years. And I kept hearing that in the back of my head, every time I would go somewhere, Oh, I can't embarrass these people. What if I embarrass them? What if I embarrass them? And it just, it became part of who I was. And I had to change that. I had to change that truth because it was not true. And I, I started, you know, working on myself. And I started reading self-help books. I became very obsessed with personal development. And I decided, you know what? I'm not going to date. I'm just going to strictly focus on me and become the best version of myself so that I can be an independent person in control of my life. I took complete control of it. I was raising my son. I was raising my daughter. I had an amazing job. I was successful. And that's when I met my current husband. Um, I was ready to have another person be my partner and not be just a marriage. And it, it's amazing. The difference that that makes at that point. Yeah. 
yeah, that's huge. That's huge to really to be ready to work in partnership and share things and be vulnerable and not feel like all the pressure is on you to do everything perfectly mm-hmm. and not mess up. You know, this is an equal, equal thing. Yeah. 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 I love that. So when we first got married, that was a little bit of a challenge too. Um, you know, I wasn't used to that type of a marriage. I was used to the way my first marriage was. Right. And so that took some time. Um, but we, we worked through it. We talked through it. We communicated. Um, I had a lot of anger, um, and resentment that I had held onto for so many years from all of the adversities I had been through. Mm -hmm. And that's when I came across emotional release and I started learning how to actually face these emotions and how the past triggers from throughout our life can come up at any point in time and that anything can trigger them. And I became very involved with getting some certifications and becoming a coach so that I could help women who go through adversity in their life actually rise above it and get to a point. There's a difference between pushing through it and rising above it. And I want women to be able to rise versus push because when you rise above it, you actually are overcoming it versus just dealing with it and sloughing it under the rug because otherwise it's going to keep coming up. Yeah. I love that you, that you point that out because that stuff that if you don't deal with it, it will come up again. And the hard part is you don't get to pick when it comes up. No. You have no control over when one of these things that you just are choosing to ignore comes back and like totally wrecks your day, makes it so you can't do things, takes all of your brain power, sucks up all of your energy. And it could be a fabulous day up until that point. And you watch one of those stupid tearjerker commercials. And the next thing you know, you're curled on the couch for like two and a half days because this thing is, you haven't dealt with it and it comes up. So yeah. Yes. Absolutely. A hundred percent. Yep. Yep. Um, let's talk a little bit about this concept of people not thinking that their grief counts and get into like the loss of a business. Yeah. Yes. Yes. So that I, another adversity I have been through, um, and me too, right. You and I together on that one. Um, We, you know, my current husband and I had an amazing business. We were just doing fantastic and we made a business decision, um, to open a retail storefront. We took out the loan, did all the steps we were supposed to do. And within six months, we knew we were going to lose our business. Wow. We just did not have the store traffic, um, that, we needed to have in order to make the business continue to succeed. But what happened worse was our mental, the whole mindset that we had at that point. Oh gosh, it just shut it down. We just couldn't even look to try and come up with solutions. We just wanted out. And we ended up staying in business about two more years. And then in 2019, we closed business. Um, we closed it completely, walked away from it a hundred percent and then had just one thing after another snowball, um, start to happen at that time. We had, you know, my husband broke his back. We had, um, my stepfather was diagnosed with cancer. 
it just, it, it literally, you know, was a major impact. One thing after another just kept coming and coming and coming. Um, they say it comes in threes and boy, did it because. (laughs) Yep. Yep. Because that, that happened and talk about dealing with emotions. We were dealing with the emotions of, uh, you know, oh, are we failures because this didn't work and self-worth and all of those emotions of grief of closing that business. And then my husband breaks his back. So then you've got all these other emotions of how are we going to feed our family? What are we going to do? How are we going? Because we're, you know, 100% self-employed. We work together and then boom, compact that with a terminal diagnosis within the family and me being pulled back and forth between two different states during this whole process, you know, that went through January of 2020. Wow. Yeah. Cause you're thinking, okay, well, how are we going to make money? Cause our business is closed. Oh, wait, one of us is not capable of making money right now because we're injured in healing. And the other one has to do all the things because a broken back is not something you can like, Oh, that's cool. I'll stay home and handle things here. No, no, no. You know, you're, you're not moving. There's yeah. Things, yeah. You're not. So, and then you get this other one where you've got to go visit terminally ill family in another state. So, oh my gosh, that's just a a huge pile all at once to try to deal with. And uh, I also want to say for business owners, heed this word to the wise of be careful about that real retail space. Cause I feel like that's what got our business too, um, is just expanding too quickly in that retail space. It'll get you for sure. So Yeah. So how, how have things gone since early 2020, when you were dealing with all of this in the year and a half, two years, resolution better? I mean, you seem happy. So it seems like you've worked (laughs) through a lot of this stuff, even though maybe you're still dealing with some of it. Yeah, we, um, we made the decision to start a new business in January of 2020. And had it up and running, things were going, we decided, oh, we've got this great marketing plan. We're going to do all these home and garden shows, all these trade shows. We had like the best year planned. And then in March, we were doing our first home and garden show and the pandemic hit. And we were, everybody was in adversity. The world shut down literally at that time. Mm -hmm. And we just, we didn't know what to do we were, we were stuck like the rest of the world. What do you do and how do you plan and be prepared for that? And so we just turned inward and we said, you know, we're just going to take advantage of this time because the whole world is in it. And we're going to spend time with our family. We're going to spend time with our friends um, virtually if we have to, (laughs) and just really take advantage of that. Well, during that time um, of still going back and forth, back and forth, you know, my stepdad decided he, my mother was incapable of caring for herself. Mm. And so we had to make some tough decisions of, you know, we just knew my stepdad was going to pass away. We just didn't know when, and the decisions were made, you know, my, my half sister and I reside here in Oklahoma and we wanted, I wanted her to relocate my mom to relocate to Oklahoma because it just made sense that would be the easiest thing to do. We would get sure. her in a great accommodations where she would be taken care of. We could both continue on with our own lives. We both had families. We both had residencies. Um, we both were working. We had things we were doing 
that we needed to just keep going that direction. And, um, all of a sudden everything changed and I was sitting at my stepdad's attorney's table with my stepsister, my, or my half sister, my stepbrother and my stepdad, my, my mother was not present because she is unable to make those decisions. So, you know, there was no use in having her there because she was not able to communicate with it. And all of a sudden it was, well, your mom wants to stay here. So your half sister has agreed to move up here, relocate her family and move in and take care of your mom. And I was like, okay, my half sister had not been a part of our family for decades. She was not even, had not even been in the will, um, whatsoever. And the inheritance that I was promised was now being signed over to her. She became power of attorney for my mother as soon as my stepfather was to pass. And I was written out of the picture a hundred percent. Oh my gosh. And I just sat there numb. I was like, what just happened? Like what just happened? And I spoke to my stepfather privately after that. And his comment to me was, well, when are you relocating here? There was no if, ands, or but it. He was not going to change anything. He, the expectation was as if I wanted my inheritance, I was to uproot my family and my life and relocate. And I had to make a decision. And I remember saying to him, do you know the position you're putting me in? Because I had to make a choice. And I became very angry. I became very resentful um, because of what I was promised versus what was actually happening. And I made the decision at that point just to wait and see how things played out. And sure enough, I got the call that he had passed away. We um, went to the funeral and everything was set up for my sister to take over. And I never heard from her again. I left the funeral. I came back home. Uh, I never had any communication with my mom, my step, my half sister again, from that point um, on. And I didn't know what, what was happening, what was going on. And then in July of this year, I received a Facebook message from my half sister that my mother had passed away. Not even a phone call, not even a phone call. We, we are making assumptions. We do not know for sure. It's, 100% assumption hearsay that at some point she had all the phone numbers disconnected and changed phones because her goal was to keep me from being involved so that, you know, the inheritance was immediately turned over to her upon my mom's passing. Cause my, my stepdad was an anesthesiologist. He had quite an estate um, that he had, you know, built over the years. And so upon his passing, all of that went to my mother Mm -hmm. And I just remember thinking, oh my gosh, what do I do now? What do I do now? And so I started seeking legal counsel, started going through the steps, um, come to find out she sold my parents' estate last May without my, I mean, I had no idea this had happened and relocated to Oklahoma. (laughs) And I was like, that is exactly what I wanted to have happen in the first place. And so, you know, the one thing, I think that's most important in this scenario. We talk about grief. We talk about how that affects with money. When it comes to someone's passing, 
you have no idea how that's going to affect family. Right. That or is so how true. They're going to respond. So true. And I have seen this unfortunate situation happen more than once where a family member passes away and the siblings just become completely different people from the people you thought they were or the people you knew before. And there's fighting over the money and somebody's trying to run away with all of it. And if there are a lot of siblings, they're making little groups within themselves, you know, us two against the others. And I would have thought that this only happens in movies, except for the fact that I see it play out all the time. And I can't say enough good things about putting a trust in place while you still have all your faculties and making sure that exactly what you want to have happen will happen because there's no way to guarantee that it will happen after you're gone. Yeah. 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 The, the funny thing is, is that meeting I attended with the attorney was the meeting for us to take everything out of the trust and put it into a will with all of the title of transfer upon death to be done. And I literally, to literally sit there and watch my name be removed from every single thing and not have one thing for my inheritance. I just, I was shocked. And looking back now at the scenario, you know, when you're sitting there with someone who's terminal, you know, they're going to pass. You want to honor their wishes. You want to be the most loving, compassionate child you can possibly be in that scenario. But looking back now, I wish I would have spoke up. Mm-hmm. I wish I would have said something, um, even if it would have stirred feathers, you know, I wish I would have communicated. I did later go back to the attorney, which of course fell upon deaf ears because I was not his client, right. but I did, you know, go back to him expressing my concerns to let him know, you know, you're letting a terminally ill brain cancer person completely do a 180 degree change of their will and you don't know all the backstory and circumstances. Yeah. But, you know, later communicating with my current attorney, this I'm in the middle of adversity at the moment, (laughs) um, dealing with trying to just get answers, Right. you know, did my mother have a new will? If she did, I would like to see a copy of it. Did, you know, what happened to her estate upon her passing? Mm-hmm. Um, who was it to go to? Were there titles of transfer set up that, you know, for some, the reason my sis, half sister had power of attorney is my mother was incapable of making decisions or caring for herself. Right. So right. How did that come into play that my mother was able to make these titles of transfer upon estate or change a will? If that so how are you, how are you managing all of this? Because, you know, now you're to the point where you're not spending days, you know, curled up on the couch, right. Watching TV, you know, you're not overeating, you're not overspending, you're not doing all of these compensating things. So what have you put in place that maybe other people could use as sort of um, ways to deal with this in a positive, constructive manner that actually helps the situation and helps you think more clearly and get through rather than living in that victim land of all this is happening to me and I can't do anything and I'm just going to be mad about it. Yeah. 
And I have to say a lot of it is so much of the work I've already done previously on myself Mm -hmm. um, to be able to be to that place. But that's exactly why I have the communities I have set up for women, because you've got to have people that can help you see the forest for the trees. You, if you're not to a place where you actually know how to face your emotions properly, to look at them from an outside perspective, Like I'm to the place now in my position that after the initial anger and upset and all of that, of what has gone on since July, I can now step back and say, you know, my mother was blinded. She did not know what was happening. She was being guided. She was being told what to do. She was following instruction. She was not able to make those decisions on her own. So she was being coerced. So I have to forgive her for that mistake. She did not know what she was doing. And you know what the, the funny thing is, is I look at my half sister and I honestly, I feel very sad because she's being so blinded by greed that she is not able to see the scenario of what is happening and what what the circumstances are that she has put in place because now she and I will never have a relationship because of the forge she has put in it and the way that she has handled this scenario and situation. Right. But as a person that has been through so many adversities to be able to step back and look at what is causing that person, what is causing that person to do what they're doing I would have never known that if I wouldn't have learned all the emotional side of things and um, everything is done on an emotional basis, everything. And to be able to look at my life and go, how much energy do I want to put into this versus keeping the joy, the happiness and continuing to fill my purpose of helping other women. I just, I just have to know this is something I have to deal with and it's there, but I don't let it consume my life. What are you you working on now? What are, what are you all excited about now? Oh gosh, I have so much I'm working on right now. I have 12 mastermind groups. I'm getting up and going for women. Um, I'm helping people that have lost children. I'm helping women that have suffered from divorce due to adultery of their partners. I'm helping other women who are just overwhelmed that they need to figure out how to have that life work balance, how to take control of their life you know, how to be the one responsible. And like you said, they want to create their life and not have life happen to them. And so I'm working on those projects and working on a couple surprise things that hopefully will be coming down the pike soon. I have eight books I'm getting ready um, to start working on. Eight. Eight books. Okay. Eight books. I have six that are a series. Um, telling my story of how you can go on to have life after and all the different adversities I've been through. Right. And then one is just, uh, my husband doesn't know it yet, but (laughs) one that my husband and I are going to write together because his marriage ended in divorce due to adultery by his partner. It does happen to men. 
women do have affairs. And I came out of that, but we went on to have a successful marriage after divorce. And I think it's so important for people to understand you can do that, but you have to do the work ahead of time for yourself. But then also, how do you have that successful marriage? So that's going to be another book with maybe a course even um, to help people. And then I want to write just a fun book. And I have a really funny book that I'm going to put together. So if there's anybody watching this, who's a mom that would like to participate in the book, I'm looking for those stories of the stuff that can only happen to a mom. And I may have a couple of those for you. I bet you do have a couple of those stories. That's not going to be the title of the book, but we're going to, you know, keep it clean here. But the stuff that always happens to a mom. Right. You know, right. Yeah. So I'm looking for those comp- little stories to put in there and compile. I will them. think on that because that sounds like something I'd love to participate in. Sounds great. Yeah. It's going to have to probably be a couple of volumes because I know. <laughs> I think you're going to have a lot of moms raising their hands for that one saying, oh, right, right here. I got this. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I've yeah. already got uh, Yep. Stories are just flooding in right now. <laughs> yes. <laughs> to share. But does this yours involve good. a roadkill frog? Oh, my. Yeah, my son, my oldest son used to put dead things in his pockets and bring them home. Yeah. yeah. And I learned quickly when I did laundry to turn his pants upside down and shake them and not stick my hand in it anymore after I yeah. pulled up that frog. <laughs> oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. Yep. Yep. I love this concept. I think everybody's going to be excited to read this book. Yeah, it's um, hilarious. This has been a fabulous conversation. Thank you so much for Thank being you. so open and vulnerable. Yes. Well, I think it's important people everybody goes through something, but a lot of times we don't want to talk about the junk. We don't want to talk about the stuff that we go through. Life's supposed to be happy, joy, 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 joy. And it can be, but you have to know how to deal with the adversities when they come up. Yeah, absolutely. If you would like to contact Tabitha, you can do so through her website, tabithaltaylor.com and on Facebook and LinkedIn. You can also follow her on Instagram at Phoenix Masterminds. Thank you as well to all of our listeners and viewers. I'm your host, Camille Diaz. I specialize in financial education, life insurance with living benefits, and guaranteed lifetime income. You can contact me and find out what else I'm up to through my website, CamilleDiaz.com, and follow me on social media at Cam Unfiltered. Be sure to follow Money Heart at Money Heart Show and on our website, MoneyHeartShow.com. Tabitha, would you like to share today's money mantra? Yes, I would love to. So something I learned a long time ago is money is just a tool, a tool used to buy experiences and memories here. That's it. That's all it is. That's it. I love that. Thank you.